Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Christian, if you don't know me already. And uh, as we've already mentioned, we kind of have a unique Sunday this morning where we are launching off Krista and Jared, who they're not even back in here yet. They're probably still with the kids. They will be. And we've got special spots for them right here. Well, there's Jared. There's one of them. And so this morning is going to be a little bit of a unique um, morning, as it already has been. Uh, what I have just felt, we've been in this 40 Days of Purpose series, exploring the deepest questions of life and what our place is in it, uh, becoming like Jesus, being with him, becoming like him and doing what he does, worship, discipleship, mission, those have been our themes. And in the midst of that, we, we're launching out a couple that have carried the, the purposes of our body and, and this church for the last five years since, since its inception. And, and so what I want to do today is a little bit like a wedding. So, you know, at a wedding, if I'm, if I'm the, the, uh, the minister giving the message, the message is always for the, the bride and groom, right? But, but the power behind it is everybody there is receiving something of it. You're remembering. You're being, you're being challenged again. You're, you're taking hold of the vision of God's covenant with humanity. And, and you're re-entering into that. And ideally at a wedding, it's not just the covenant being made here. It's a renewing of the covenant between everyone in the presence of God and those gathered to celebrate. So today, I feel like that's a bit of the heart of this message. Is It's a message for you, Kristen Jared. But it's for all of us. It's for all of us to embrace. So, so as we do that, um, and then, babe, there's going to be a couple things. If you could find a few pens, and what I'm going to do at the end. I'm, okay, great. If you could bring them up closer to these two things right here. So at the end today, there's going to be two things that you can use pen and paper to, to, to put towards. And I'll mention that a bit in, uh, in a little bit. One is going to be a contract. And don't worry, it's not binding, only between you and God, uh, which is more scary than a real contract. Uh, and, and the other one is a blank piece of paper. And, and they're already both up there. The blank piece of paper is right there. I know it's not very loose. This is me putting things together last minute without our beautiful hosting team. Uh, there's cardstock back there, too. So you can... That's great. So you can go back there or grab these cards here. If you could put pens back at the back and the front so we have two options for people, that would be amazing. So I'll give you more details of that in a second. But here's, here's what I want to, to, to bring us into this morning. Um, when, I, when I thought about Krista and Jared, one of the things that I realized and what I'm talking about, if we have one, if we have one focus this morning, is can I be a person, can you and I, can we be people that receive our assignment from the Lord, really? Meaning, can we receive an assignment for a season without seeing and feeling and knowing and hearing exactly what it looks like, how long, what the resources at my disposal are, who I get to do it with, where it's at? Because what I feel like I have seen through this couple is, is the tension of being present with the Lord and receiving his assignment in the season that they've been here, while wrestling with what it looks like, with seeing it in part. And as they're being launched out, they still only see in part and hear in part. But they're following the voice of God, and we affirm that, we feel that, and, it, and it's different than many of the other launches out or goodbyes that we've had. And so that's my first point, is that this is different. Many of us have said goodbye to many amazing friends if you live in the greater Los Angeles area, even before COVID-19 wreaked havoc on so many things. It's a transient place. Uh, I, I know many of you here have had to say goodbye to your best friends more than once by living here. Uh, and then oftentimes it's for things that are just kind of like 
wishy-washy or whatever else. This is different. This is because of the voice of God, and this is because of two people that have taken their assignment here seriously. And because they took their assignment here seriously, the Lord has given them a fresh assignment. Not for comfort. They're leaving their family behind. Not for security. He's choosing to transition his job to a place that has less promotional opportunity. And not for any sense of knowing exactly what it's going to look like. Because they just know that they've said yes, and that that means we're heading forward wherever the Lord leads. And what that also means is, and what I want to honor them with, is that they have continually had to ask the Lord for that sense of being present here more than one time. And many of us are in that place, whether you've been there right now or you've been there many times in the past. And I want us to take stock today. How do you need to hear the voice of God affirm your presence here? In this place, in this community, without seeing, hearing, knowing all the the variables that you know that you need in order to sustain yourself or to get the vision of your your career or your family or whatever breakthrough that you need for flourishing and thriving. So I feel that's the message today. But today's not easy, but I can confidently say this is different. This is a different kind of goodbye, and these are a different kind of people that we're saying goodbye to. Clark and Tiffany, right behind them. Clark and Tiffany were the first couple to say yes to, to Sue and I. And, and it was in our living room. Man, I was not going to get emotional for at least 10 minutes. Okay. In our living room was our first yes with Clark and Tiff. And when they said yes, I felt the seeds that we carried were finally planted in some soil that could grow. I'm going to need some water that's going to help, if you could, in a second. When, when Kristen and Jared said yes, it was a bit different. When you said yes to Frontier, it felt like the first seeds had actually sprouted out of the soil and its leaves could finally be touched by the sun, to give an analogy or a metaphor. We actually had a plant to care for, something to water, something to put in the presence of the sun. A family of worshipers had begun to take root, and we had our own song. So like I said, it's like a wedding, sort of. It's like saying hello and goodbye and all these things in between. But I want, I want us to remember some things today. I want us to embrace the challenge of the kingdom. I want us to fill ourselves with fresh vision. And I want us to hold on to promises. Thank you, my son. And so today, it's for you, but it's also for all of us. And as Paul would often write a letter to an individual, to Timothy, or, or to a people, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. It's for all the body, for all time. And I feel that this is for all the body. And if you're visiting today, you have no idea who these people are, you have no value for anything that's going on, you can actually learn a lot about a community, and you can glean a lot with how they do transition, and how they honor their people, and how they send them off. So hopefully you'll, you'll glean something today, and you'll decide these people are insane, <laughs> or I really like them, or they're just enough... They're just enough loving that I might, I might stick around, and we hope you do. So um, if you guys watched a little video I made, I know at least five of you did this week, um, I asked some folks to, to draw up some letters that I want to give them in a little bit. 
And I was inspired this week um, by something I came across called the Grant Study. Anyone familiar with that? It was a study that is still ongoing, but was started in the late 1930s at Harvard with like 238 men. It was only men at Harvard at the time. Uh, so they weren't trying to be chauvinistic or patriarchal. It, they just were. And, uh, <laughs> and so, so the study has, has been an amazing long-term study. It's been going on for, for, for well over like seven, eight decades. And uh, what's interesting is that, of course, you would think as, as any class of people at Harvard, you've got people that have had dramatic success. Four members of the sample ran for the U.S. Senate. One served in a presidential cabinet, and one was president of the United States of America in this study. There was even a best-selling novelist, but hidden amid the shimmering success of these men were darker hues. As early as 1948, 20 members of the group displayed severe psychiatric difficulties, and by age 50, almost a third of the men had one time or another met the criteria for mental illness. Underneath the tweed jackets of these Harvard elites beat troubled hearts, said the director. The story um, gets to the heart of what the, one of the director's central question was, and it's not how much or how little trouble that these men met, but our curiosity was more about rather precisely how and to what effect they responded to the trouble. I think many people think, when you think of elites that might be studied over time, that have all the privilege and all the accessibility to take the world by the reins. And what we want to hear is like how maybe easy it was for them to attain success in their lives, satisfaction and happiness. In fact, the, the the question of the study is what makes us happy? Is there a formula, some mix of love, work, or psychological adaptation for the good life? That was the long-term study. And who better than a bunch of tweed jackets from Harvard, right? <laughs> and so the director at one point was enchanted with the power of positive emotions. He became kind of a, a, a first-formed maverick in the field. He, he studied how awe, love, compassion, gratitude, forgiveness, joy, hope, and trust, how they work and interact. And he, he even mentioned how the happiness, happiness books, they had them back then, they have them today. They say something to the effect of, try happiness. You'll like it a lot more than misery. Which he says is perfectly true. You'll like happiness more than misery. But why, he asked, do people tell psychologists like me that they'd cross the street to avoid someone who had given them a compliment the previous day? That's an intriguing question. Did you know that that's what they found? If someone gave you a compliment, the common person, you would avoid that person the next day. Not all of you, obviously. There's some of you that would run towards that person. The vast majority, amazingly, would not seek the person. Here's what he says. Positive emotions make us more vulnerable than negative ones. One reason is that they're future-oriented. Future-oriented are positive emotions. Fear and sadness, those kinds of emotions, they have immediate payoffs. They protect us from attack or attracting resources at times of distress. Gratitude and joy, however, over time, and which is the attributes that I think this couple emulates, by far the best I've seen. Gratitude and joy over time will yield better health and deeper connections, but in the short term, they actually put us at risk. That's because while negative emotions tend to be insulating, positive emotions expose us to the common elements of rejection and heartbreak. 
So I'd like to, to, to bring up my follow-up question to that is, does that mean that those who can walk in a confidence of gratitude and joy, true gratitude and joy, are they, they not fake people, as we might think on the surface, because true gratitude and joy are expensive. They're vulnerable. So if it's true gratitude and joy, it's vulnerable. And therefore, these are the types of people that have put themselves at risk in order to exude that kind of emotion and to draw others in. And so to illustrate this point, George Valiant, the director of the, the study for, for decades, he tells of this story of, of this man that he visited. I think he called him George. And, and George was, was kind of one of the, the top-notch guys of the study. And he goes to his home. They would do site visits. They had tons of funding for this over the decades. And they would do site visits. And this guy at 70 years old, his, his, his wife had, had thrown him a birthday party for his 70th birthday and had all these colleagues. He had worked at a medical center. had all the colleagues write a note of appreciation. He had 100 letters that she put into this ornate box with this special ribbon and covering and all this. And he proudly looked up on the shelf, grabbed it, and gave it to, to, to Valiant, the director. And then he says this. He says, I don't know what you're going to make of this. As he began to cry, but I've never read them. And this was the director's response in his notes. He says, it's very hard for most of us to tolerate being loved. It's very hard for most of us to tolerate being loved. Why do you think that is? Why do you think it's so hard for the world to tolerate being loved? From the Harvard elites down to the poorest of the poor, the world has a very difficult time tolerating being loved. Why do you think that is? The reason is, is because there's this thing called shame that's written on the human heart that tells you that you're not worthy, that truthfully tells you that you're fallen and imperfect, and truthfully tells you that you have an element of shame, but it does not tell you the truth and the remedy for your shame. It does not tell you how to receive love. And so the world is often, and you can, you can hear this and find this in many parts of our culture today, is, is to t telling people that you're worthy of love. You know, and I love to hear, I, I, I literally love hearing when, I, I mean, I've heard TED Talks about, about delving into your worth and worthiness. But they often cannot tell you why you're worthy. They just tell you that you are. The only way you can be made worthy is by him who is worthy, covering you with his worth and imparting to you his goodness and perfection and then declaring over you a new name, a new voice, a new identity, a new purpose. And that's the Christian faith. That's why I've grown up in communities of followers of Jesus that we're always able to open the letters, not because we're arrogant, not because we're proud, but because this is the way. This is the way we honor. I can't even recall how many times I've been in a room where people have given letters of appreciation or, or taken time to honor someone for a birthday, for an anniversary, for a, for a transition, for a wedding. 
It's the way of life. And I know it's not just in the church, but I'm telling you, this is the most normal thing for followers of Jesus, to spend time honoring people for who they are, not because they've been perfect, but because of how we are able to see people through the lens of Jesus. We call out the stuff that's there because he covers the imperfections, the shame and the guilt, the performance, the anxiety, the fear. And here's the thing. As we do this today for them, do it because this is who we are. Do it because this is what proclaims to the world. We are the people that can actually receive love and honor. Not because we deserve it, but because he makes us worthy. If you don't feel worthy this morning of love, I pray that the Holy Spirit does something in your spirit that opens up those abilities to receive those seeds of love. Much of our mission is to show the world what that looks like. What does it look like to honor someone that's leaving? That's so hard to say goodbye to. Are we going to pull up walls? Are we going to be vulnerable? Are we going to enter into that, that measure of gratitude and joy that takes a vulnerability that can really only be fully tapped into when you understand the person of Jesus? That's the message today. And I had, I had one word as I prayed for, for Kristen and Jared this week. And that was, it sounds kind of obnoxious, um, theologian type, and it's not really, so I just want to preface that. Christus Victor. It's the Latin phrase for Christ the Victor. It's not that complicated, I told you. And, and here's, here's what I want to speak over you about that. If I can find the notes that I just lost. <clears throat> Randy Clark, um, who's, who's been kind of a I've met him a couple times, but, but he's kind of been a father of a, of a movement um, that's been a big part of my life. And uh, the, the phrase that dropped in was that your lives scream the victory of Jesus. He says this, when describing the concept of Christus Victor, Christ the Victor, Jesus accomplished more than we can imagine. His life, death, resurrection, ascension, and ongoing reign will be a topic of discussion for all eternity. Among the many attempts to explain the atonement, what Jesus accomplished on the cross, Christus Victor, is the element of the atoning work of Christ that emphasizes the triumph over the evil powers of the world, through which he rescues his people and establishes a new relationship between God and the world. I want to read these verses from Colossians 2. When you were dead in your sins... And in the uncircumcision of the flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. This is essentially, there are many other verses in, in the Old and New Testament that lead up to this concept of Christ the victor. But these couple verses. I just want to point out, it's not a full teaching and preach on this today, but I want to highlight a couple things that I feel like their lives carry and that's an invitation for us to encounter in the victory of Jesus today. Is that fair? Okay, there's three things. First, the invitation from these verses and from Jesus himself on the cross is victory over bondage, over shame, and over guilt. For what? 
For to be alive in Christ means taking victory over bondage, shame, and guilt and moving towards living free, living free from your past. One of my favorite things about this couple is that they scream freedom from their past. Robert Kolb says the message of the victory of Christ speaks over all that holds human beings captive and continues into this 21st century to address many who perceive at least some aspects of their lives in bondage. He says Christ's victory over sin through his sacrificial death and resurrection, for our what's called justification, Paul uses in his letter to the Romans, it offers us this. It offers those who feel shame and who feel guilt over misdeeds a release and a liberation from the chains that bind them from past failures to live faithful people of God, free from the past. Victory over bondage, shame, and guilt, free from the past. There's somebody here this morning that needs to be reminded that you're free from your past. Number two, victory over performance. For what? Living from acceptance. When you live for performance, you live from a place that you're not accepted until you perform. To those who are evaluating their lives on the basis of their own performance, to any standard of their own achievement, that in all honesty, they do not reach consistently. Here's what Christ's victory does for you. It means that your ultimate worth is determined by his love and acceptance of you before any performance, before any works, that allows you to deal realistically with your gifts and with your talents and with your difficult situations that might press against your ability to perform your frustrations and hindrances within yourself and from others. We have this internal wrestle because we have this desire to use our lives, our work, our hands for something. That's the most natural thing in the world. It's just that if you start from a place where you need to perform to find your worth, you'll always be performing for worth. You will never live in a place of acceptance. One of the best gifts and one of the best things you can do is surround yourselves with people that carry this as a lifestyle where you can feel it from them. Because every single believer that I know understands this concept. We understand the concept. It gets boring or it gets monotonous to hear it at times. It's different when you experience somebody living it. When you experience someone that truly you can feel from every ounce of their being doesn't perform. I'm not calling them perfect. I'm saying that you can just literally feel that there's not an ounce of needing the, the, the performance and the affirmation of man in order for them to feel like that they have something of worth and something that's driving their acceptance. And while you, of course, are far from perfect, this couple, as they've led us, but as they've done life with us as friends, they've been the kind of people that do not perform. Water. When you surround yourself with people that don't perform, you can disagree with them without compromising trust. People that perform can't be trusted. I mean that on the smallest to the largest level. Many of us struggle with performance and we're amazing people. But when, when performance comes in, 
It compromises trust because the performance takes center stage and pulls at a person. And when that's pulling, it becomes the priority. It becomes the highest of the loves of your life because you're seeking something out of it. And when that is drawing you, you cannot see clearly the rest of the world. And you cannot take charge of your mission and your purposes with any sort of validity and purity. We have to sever performance. That was like a... a, a if that's still working, that's just the Spirit of God emphasizing things. All right, if you don't have an Apple computer, as annoying as their ads are, they might just be a little bit better than everybody else. <laughs> nope, not so far. Thank you, Jesus. It's the covering of the Holy Spirit, yeah. One of these days, we're going to figure out how to do these, or at least when Joe does it, it works. When I do it, he didn't do it today. My fault, my bad. I should have trusted you, Joe. Uh, it's trust issues I'm working on. comes here. So trust. Trust and performance is a big deal. This couple I've been able to trust, not because we always agree on everything, but because I can trust their hearts because their hearts are pure from performance. Find people in your life that, that you know they're not driven by performance. I'm not talking about a standard of perfection. I mean, where you can literally feel like I can trust them, not because I'm always going to agree or they're always just going to say yes to me, but because I know at the heart of hearts, they aren't seeking for their value and their worth to come out of a performance mentality. Amen. Number three, victory over worthlessness, living loved. Victory over worthlessness and living loved. We've mentioned how growth and contribution in weeks past are the two measures of the human needs that move from, from the needs to the spirit, growth and contribution. Many human beings don't ever meet growth and contribution in fulfilling their needs and flourishing. But here's the thing, they're pivotal. And those who cannot contribute in measurable ways to growth and contribution, they will crave it. And they will try to seek it in other means necessary. Here's what Christ's victory does. It ends our captivity to a standard of worth that God does not use in regarding his own as worthy of love and acceptance. And there are some in this world that are forced to confront and receive this truth. But you too, despite having many gifts, talents, and abilities to measure your worth that you could be tempted with, you live from a place that's no longer captive to that way of valuing your own self-worth. It doesn't mean you don't draw into temptation, but I can see you defending it, covering it, pursuing it with your family, and prioritizing a way of life where my worth will not be the way that I'm loved. My worth is secure. I'm loved. And I will not compromise my love that I've discovered in the person of Jesus that took my past and set me free. That took my worth and said I'm accepted. That took any sense of performance and says, start with my love. And you've lived your lives and you've given this body and you've blessed our families with that reality and you're the kinds of people that we trust and will trust and will continue to trust and you've set a standard even from our own lives where we say, this is the kind of person that I want to wrestle with, to live life with, to lead with, to multiply with, 
to encounter and have my children grow up with. And they're not the only ones. Because of them, we have a culture that breeds these kinds of human beings that are free from their past and that know why, that have a gratitude and joy that's been bought at the victory of Jesus. Okay, now, babe, at some point I want you to read your letter. Are you ready whenever? Okay, I'm going to bring her up. And, and as she's reading her letter, I want you to think about, if you haven't written a letter yet, you can do it at the end, or you could even just get up and grab a piece of paper there in the back. Um, and I want her to read, read this letter of honor to them. And as you do that, I want you to think about, yes, them had to honor, but what is happening in this exchange? Why it's so important? And if these words were said over you, could you receive them? Could you receive this love as you receive it? Go. I'm starting with Jared. Not because I love you any less, but I think I'll get a little less emotional. <laughs> I might be able to actually finish my words before crying before I begin. So Jared, as I was praying for you and what to encourage you with and honor within you, the word pure came like a blazing, almost like an obnoxious neon sign that you can't turn off. Pure, 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 pure. And I was like, okay, let me look up this word pure. And so when I looked it up, it said unadulterated, free of contamination, untainted by immorality, and perfectly in in tune with a clear tone. Jared, you carry authority and purity. You carry pure joy, pure honor, even when it's hard, pure freedom, and you have a pure passion for the family. And when I'm like, okay, Lord, that's a great culture word, but what is your word? And he said, it's that of holiness. You represent holiness, God's holiness in this land. And this isn't a pitch for Frontier, but if you don't know, we have four pillars that our church stands on. It's our culture. They are reliance of the word of God, we're a missional family, the good news has power, and the purity of holiness. And so the Lord brought that back to me, and he said, Jared and Krista are where this holiness was established. It's where this pillar went down. And if you look at our website, most people never do, but it says this about holiness. Holiness is goodness separated from all evil. Jesus lived in this place. We believe there is a revelation of worship we are to pursue found in the concept of the Psalms that refers to as the beauty of holiness. There are measures of God's character found in encountering his holiness. And the church is intended to radiate the beauty of God through that revelation. We must be people walking in the power of God, but the holiness of his nature must be what we encounter in worship. A beautiful church isn't a result of right actions, but of encountering the beauty of his holiness. It's from Psalm 29:2. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his, hand, his name, Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. And if holiness is an intercession, if worship is an intercession, holiness is our covering. And you've been that. 
I felt in what to release over you, the Father reminded me that, Jared, you are a father of the faith, not just of our community, but one like Abraham. Abraham went through 10 major tests in his life where it started out in his stepping out to say yes to God, but it ended with him trusting him with his future. And I feel like in this next test, you're like, God, I don't know what's next, but I am trusting you with everything I am. And as this is after the test with Isaac, obviously, um, but after Abraham said, yes, God, I'll trust you with my future, the word of the Lord came to him in a vision, and he said, do not be afraid, Abram, for I am your shield, your very great reward. You will father those, Jared, who are not your own, dispossessing the enemy's land and establishing holy ground in life after life. And as you step into the unknown, I feel the Father saying, he is and will always be your very great reward. And now to Krista. Might take a little longer, get a little more emotional. It won't take that much longer. Um, <laughs> Krista, how lucky I am to have something that makes saying goodbye so hard. It's Winnie the Pooh. Can't, can't take those words for myself. <laughs> But it's so true. How lucky I am that makes saying goodbye so hard. Not only do you worship when no one is watching, you've been a friend to my heart when no one else is known. You live in step with the Spirit of God. The fear of man can't touch you. You are eternally pregnant with freedom. <laughs> That's so sure. I was like, you are eternally pregnant with freedom. Chains fall off people's mindsets, old habits, old ways of thinking, and people's hearts are completely set free in your midst. I saw a mighty vacuum in the spirit over Michigan. I didn't like this vacuum at first. <laughs> and while it feels so painful on our end, I see a great thrust of the Lord releasing you today. As when Elisha and Elijah at Gilgal, it was quite painful, knowing Elijah would no, not much longer be with them, but he asked to be blessed with a double portion of Elijah's spirit. And then we know Elijah was taken into heaven by a chariot of fire. But when I was praying through that, I felt like the Father said, release over them, that they're going with a double portion. Not that we're being receiving, well, we will always receive from you guys, but that you guys are being sent with a double portion, a double portion of intimacy, of worship, of freedom, and intentionality of the Father's heart as they set, as in all they set their hearts to. Okay, and finishing up, I can't, when I think of you, I think of worship. I don't know if you guys do voice text much. I do it all the time. Always, my phone writes worship when I'm like, worship. Warship, like it's two words, W-A-R space S-H-I-P. And I feel like your life has that mission where it's at war with the kingdom of darkness. And it's on mission to bring about the freedom that Jesus paid for. Where Jared knows he is his very great reward, you will see Jesus get his full reward. <laughs> and finally, you carry revival of the whole man. Your hearts are attuned to the very reason they beat, to bring Jesus glory. And in your hands, Jesus is glorified. You carry the hope for breakthrough now 
and yet you are fiercely loyal to stand in the gap as a friend, as a champion, and a defender of the destiny that you see deep within the soul of me and every person who has the honor of knowing you. And Krista, you are one of the best friends I've ever known. So thank you for being so hard to say goodbye. And we bless you, and we love you. And I can't see either of you right now. <laughs> Amen. Amen. You can give a round of applause for that. So uh, if, if I could start to get the guys that are handling the, the worship at the end, not those two, but everybody else um, coming up, that would be great. And, and here's kind of how I would, I would like to, to kind of transition. I want, I want to remind you again that it's an invitation to all of us to wrestle with the Lord on our assignment for every season that we find ourselves without seeing things in full, without hearing in full what is happening, what we're doing, and why. You've done it so well. And, and, and it, what I have had to do, I've had to do this numerous times in my life, but I go back to times where the Lord's been speaking. And I, I, this week, he took me back to 2014 in my journal. And I actually don't journal a ton. I wish I did it more. But I journal when I'm going through something, <laughs> and I journal when the Lord is speaking to me clearly. And in 2014, it, it might be the year that I had the most dynamic. I'm not going to read you the whole year. Don't worry. There's a couple highlights when I, I, I read of what was happening in my own life. 2014 was the year that I knew something was happening. Some shift was going on, and I had, we had no idea what it was. We certainly didn't know it was California. And, and it was amazing to go back. It's like such a gift to go back and, and see where your head was at, where your heart was at in different seasons. And this was just, what, seven years ago? It was amazing in this grant study. I, I read a couple articles on it, and there would be moments where these guys would have recurring dreams in their 40s or 50s, and then at 70, they didn't even remember those dreams. Or what they said about their family life when they were in, in college at Harvard, and then what they said about their childhood when they were... 50, 60, 70, completely different. It's amazing what the memory does and how life changes and shifts. And so I wouldn't even remember fully of where I was at. And I think maybe some of you could resonate and even try to remember seasons of, of whether it's transition or questioning or difficulty or whatever it is. And I feel that this is a significant life-changing transition for you. It's not going to be easier. You're not taking an easier route by saying yes in this transition. But it's also a transition for all of us here today. And I feel the same invitation for all of us. But here's some direct quotes that I've revisited this week from my own journal. Knowing that we were in some kind of shift and that we were going to plant something at some point. My first thing that stood out, and I quote, I feel so unworthy of this. I don't know if I can lead in such a way that this thing will really take off. April 27th, 2015, several months later, the year we actually ended up transitioning later that year, and I just asked the Lord, what should I be praying into? And I felt the Lord just saying, I'm going to unveil pieces of what I'm doing to you. It requires you to focus in on certain things for certain seasons. And he says, establish a family of worshipers. Getting that water again. <laughs> I 
establish a family of worshipers. Focus in this season isn't on a certain number of people to gather, but to surround yourselves with the right people to start a family. Look for the right hearts. This is a year and a half before we planted, by the way. Look for the right hearts, not necessarily the right skills. Look for the seeds of revival and for hunger. And then he just said, cherish them, nurture them. Now I can't see, dang it. Okay. Two more things and then, and then transitioning here. May 11th, 2015. I'm going to build things slowly for your sake initially. And then there will be an explosion. Don't doubt me. Doubting yourself is doubting me. I've chosen you. And I am he who provides and sets things on fire. Never blame yourself. He said, never blame yourself for the things that require my blessing. There's going to be moments where you feel like blaming yourself for what's to come. Never blame yourself for the things that require his blessing. Many of you today blame yourself. What you're really hungering for is just the blessing of God. And the promise in Jesus is that he's already poured something out that you can hang on to, that's solid in storms, in seasons of highs and lows. It'll take you through the uncertainty of life. It'll give you an anchor. Latch on to it today. Say yes again. Be vulnerable with your gratitude and your joy. I remind you again, our first yes from the sours brought us seeds that we carried into the soil to grow. You guys said yes, and it felt like those seeds sprouted out of the soil, and it could touch the sun. We had a plant to care for. It was something to nurture. There were promises to speak over our little plant and a family of worshipers that sprung out of the soil. We had our own song. Holy Spirit, everyone here, we just invite an encounter today. I know we've gone long and there may be distractions about to happen with kids or whatever else, but we ask to be present for a moment to your voice over our lives. Any guilt and shame, any voice that's saying blame of ourselves rather than finding our acceptance, love, and security in who you say we are. We say a fresh start from our past and a fresh yes to our current season, knowing in part, seeing in part. Now, here's what we can do. All right, I'm done crying for now. You can all now cry over them. I want us to respond in two ways. So, everybody stand. This isn't going to be awkward, actually. It's going to be very natural and good. This team's going to worship. 
and lead us in worship. And we have two ways. I don't know. There's some pens there. Babe, can you kind of maybe separate those two things? There's going to be two piles. There's going to be a blank pile of paper where if you haven't brought a note with you and you would like to. This is my little thing. Are you going to change it? Yes. No, I'm not changing it. There are note cards and envelopes at the back. So you don't have to, if you didn't bring a note and you want to write something, you can create your own envelope right back there with pens. Great. So if you, if you want to write them a note, go to the back. If you would like to do what I'm about to share with you, this contract, which is what I'm inviting everyone into, it's right here with some pens. And they're going to join me, and we're going to be the first ones to sign it. And the, this contract is, looks something like this. It has those verses from Colossians that declare the victory of Christ. And then just work with me because I did this kind of tear-filled very early this morning. And so if it doesn't make sense, just receive the heart of this. Okay? Deal? Don't over. Uh, there's probably typos on that, and it might not make sense. Just receive the heart of it. And if you want to sign your name to this heart, join us in doing this. And it essentially says this in this contract, this fresh covenant. In this contract, I proclaim the victory of Christ. Because of the cross of Christ, I receive my role in living out my assignment as a cultural alternative to the way of the world. Living in the way of Jesus instead of under the crushing weight of bondage, shame, guilt, performance, and worthlessness. Those things of the victory. And I receive Jesus' words to come receive my rest because I am alive in Christ. I'm free from the past. I'm accepted and I'm loved. Because of the cross, I daily receive my assignment with gratitude and joy, embracing the unknown, receiving my place in the land he has placed me for as long as I am here, rejecting comparison, putting down deep roots, investing with all I have. And this is my own words. You say it however you need to say it, but this is my declaration on my time in this state and in this city. And if the Lord moves me from this land... He's going to have to do it, kicking, screaming, and scraping while I hang on with every last nail and last breath of my being. Why? Because I have planted my heart here. My friends have planted their hearts here. And whether this place represents your exile or your promised land, the people of God can put down roots in the soil because we live for a world that's not our own. Till heaven and earth unite as one. That's been our decree from day one. Till heaven and earth unite as one. We're going to start. We're going to sign this. We're now, it's 12 o'clock. We're officially done. But here's your invitation. Come like we're taking communion. You can sign a contract if you don't have a note and you want to give them one. Just lay it down here in the middle in a pile. It can be messy. It's totally okay. Same thing with the contracts. When you sign them and finish, you can just lay it down here in the middle in a big pile and they're going to gather them after church, and it's going to be awesome. And then if you're still here, just linger, worship with this team as they lead us to close. We'll be officially done. Don't forget to go get your kids. We love you all. Join us in signing this covenant in this land.